We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Iron Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason, Pat, and Jason. The playoffs are in full swing. We got a Jimmy Butler versus Tom Thibodeau series that may or may not feature Jimmy Butler for the rest of the series. Butler got hurt at the end of game one with an ankle injury, did not play in game two. Former Bull Max Struess almost helped lead the Heat to a game two victory without Butler, but uh, the Heat fell short. So that series is tied one to one. Lot of good series around the league as it is. Uh, but before we get into any of that, Jason, we need to talk about our arch nemesis, public enemy number one, Jerry Reinsdorf, who made the mistake of speaking publicly during a recent conference in LA. And gave off some quotes that are typical Reinsdorf, both in that it showed his low aim for his businesses, and it showed, I think, just his general apathy. And he lied a lot, too. So (laughs) the masterclass from Jerry in being garbage as an owner. Uh, Jason, please take us through it. Yeah, here we go. So this is this Blake Schuster, who does, he's a Chicago guy. Uh, I believe he writes for like for the win as well. Took the time to go through this Jerry. He was at a Mil- the Milken Institute Global Conference panel called The Game Changers, the new business of sports. I do find it funny that uh, this conference with the new business of sports is calling up Jerry Reinsdorf to give them uh, or give speeches but whole thread here of this whole Jer- or this Jerry Ryan's or speech um, right at the beginning here we get a gem sports is never different than your any other business for example your competitors or your partners you earn probably half your income in conjunction with your competitors at the same time you were at the mercy of your dumbest competitors just right off the bat a real real gem he talks about baseball then uh, I think there's a lot of it was around baseball but obviously this applies to the bull as well bulls as well he talks about how uh 
how he basically hates that guys uh, like other owners go and spend money on guys who might not be that good. He met the quote here is if you have somebody who decides he wants to spend 42 million on a second baseman, who hits two Oh two and one comes along for you, you're going to probably have to spend the same money. And the whole thing is irrational. Clearly just doesn't want to spend money. And if someone's hitting two Oh two is not going to be making that much money. Let's be serious here. Unless they're also like whatever hitting maybe 50 or 60 dingers. But again, a sign of just Jerry's, how much he is that a Javi Baez reference, by the way. I have, honestly have no idea. Maybe. Uh, I mean, when when Javi got paid, he, I believe he was hitting better than two hundred two. He was an MVP candidate a few years ago, but uh, possibly I don't know. Uh, and then here we go. My approach has been I never really cared about making any money. That's obviously a lie. Uh, I just want to win. Now that's not what I wanted to do in business. Well, so like. <laughs> Of course, you want to make money in business, but you also are making wanting to make money in sports while also possibly winning. You can't be you can't allow your decisions to be guided by emotions of what you think people want. At the same time, you have to consider what your fans are thinking, or they're not going to buy your tickets. Of course, Bulls fans buy plenty of tickets anyway, so but maybe we're the idiots. But and then we get into kind of the whole kind of the ethos it seems of the management and the stewardship stewardship of Chicago, the Chicago Bulls. You can't allow your decisions. Did I say this one already? No, yeah. yeah. Okay. Sports is a business of failure, but the fact that you finished second or third or fourth, it doesn't mean you had a bad year. I think the important thing the fans is while they want you to win championships, they want to know that when they get down to the last month of the season, you still have a shot. You're still playing meaningful games. If you can do that consistently, you'll make your fans happy. If you think that you know more than your GM or head coach, then you've got the wrong GM. Sometimes you just have to bite your tongue and have faith. You can't have you can't make the decisions for your people. You got to let them make the decisions. Blah 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 blah. A bunch of stuff about cable, uh, gambling stuff, whatever. He also made a comment about um, before the first week I was in sports. Somebody said to me, "If you listen to the fans, you'll see me sitting with the fans." Uh, obviously, calling the fans idiots, which is probably true. Most fans are idiots, including us, but. Getting back to that whole thing about finishing second or third or fourth is not a big deal. You want to be in it at the end. And if you're consistently doing that, fans are happy. Now, like, whatever. Like, you can say that, and that's true. Like, we fans want a competitive product on a consistent basis. But, like, hearing him come out and say that, Ricky, after you have talked about the longest time, we've talked about on this podcast how the Bulls' goal is basically to be whatever the eight seed in the the last couple of years, the eight seed in the Eastern conference be, be in it. They want to be in it and just kind of there and that's fine. And if they don't win a title, it's totally fine. Again, only one team wins the title. It's true for sure. Title or bust. I don't like the title or bust thing, but just the kind of this whole thing here just kind of seems to explain how Jerry operates his teams. He just like the, there's no like hardcore, uh, desire to spend money for a championship team like you spend enough and if you're okay enough and you're there kind of in the playoff mix it's totally fine and that kind of explains it ricky how do you feel about hearing jerry put this into words and basically just ex- uh say exactly what you've been saying for the longest time jerry reinsdorf man 87 years old and just saying that number out loud probably doesn't have a ton of time left on this mortal coil. And it can't come soon enough because the Bulls and my White Sox, who I believe are 9-21 and 21, on an incredible two-game winning streak <laughs> as we record this podcast, uh, the White Sox are a total fucking embarrassment. For this to be in the middle of their championship window, supposedly, a window that they tanked for, 
And they're still one of the worst teams in Major League Baseball is just so unacceptable and atrocious. And the problems in that organization are pretty similar to a lot of the problems with the Bulls. The first thing I thought of when I read these Reinsdorf quotes was the old David Sampson quote. Uh, David Sampson is, I believe, a contributor to the Dan Lebitard show, and he's a former uh, Miami Marlins president. And I've quoted this a, a bunch of times in the stuff I wrote, but this was Sampson telling a story about talking to Reinsdorf uh, when he was younger. And he said, uh, Reinsdorf said, you know what? Here's my best advice to you. Finish in second place every single year because your fans will say, wow, we've got a shot. We're in it. And there's always the carrot left there's always one more step to take. And I think that Reinsdorf in the past has tried to like distance himself from that quote or say he didn't say it, uh, but he essentially repeated it <laughs> yeah. verbatim at this uh, recent thing saying, um, you know, finishing second, third or fourth. I need to pull up that exact. Well, I got it exactly. Yeah, it's but. sports is a business of failure, but the fact that you finished second or third or fourth, it doesn't mean you had a bad year. Yeah. Okay. So to me, this is classic Reinsdorf conflating what the fans want. He thinks they want playoff contention, but in reality, the fans want championship contention. And yes, only one team can win the championship every year. And a year that doesn't end in a championship isn't, I guess, necessarily a failure, even though it is a failure, especially when you're Chicago and you're the six time world champion Chicago Bulls with a global fan base. You should take a little bit more fucking pride in yourself. But Giannis doesn't agree. <laughs> Reinsdorf is uh, he's just totally missing the point here, thinking that all fans want is playoff contention when what fans really want is championship contention. If you can build a championship contender and you fall short, uh, at least then you can say, well, we had a chance to win the championship. Jerry's just gunning for the bottom half of the playoff bracket when he builds his teams. And it's so insane that a market like Chicago has to deal with this small market owner like Reinsdorf, who does everything he can to, you know, saying he doesn't care about money is so ridiculous. Uh, the quote about the second baseman hitting 202, making $40 million. You know what's really offensive about a second baseman making $42 million who hits 202, Jerry? It's the fact that an owner can give him that contract and still turn a massive profit <laughs> because he wouldn't be giving out that contract in the first place if that wasn't the case. Uh, so Reinsdorf just sucks so bad and the Chicago sports will never truly have peace and will never truly have success until Jerry is gone. And unfortunately, Michael Reinsdorf doesn't seem to be any smarter than his father. He's a classic billionaire's kid who doesn't really know the business, doesn't care to know the business and has similarly low ambitions. So, uh, yeah, it's just. It's hilarious that Reinsdorf said all this stuff because it is what we've sort of been talking about for so long for him to just go on a stage in L.A. at 87 years old and basically tell everyone, yeah, you know, third's not so bad. Fourth's not so bad. As long <laughs> as the fans think you have a chance. And the sad thing is Reinsdorf is right about one thing, and that is that the fans will probably at least fill the stadium. Yeah. 
if you are in playoff contention. At least that's historically been the case for the Bulls. Yeah. And more or less, it's been the case for the White Sox. Uh, fans don't come when the team sucks. And maybe the fans need to stop coming when the team is average. Because when the team's average, the United Center is still sold out. And Jerry Reinsdorf thinks that the team is accomplishing their goals because he's still maximizing his profit at the game. Uh, and, you know, this just it it ta- it sums them up so well, Jason, to think that fans just want a playoff contender when in reality we want a championship contender and we want a championship. And how many championship contenders has Jerry Reinsdorf built in, you know, the what is it? 25 years since Michael Jordan retired. Uh, the Bulls have made one conference finals appearance. How many second round appearances have they even made? Maybe three? They, 20, 2015, obviously. And they went in what, like 2007 or eight, 2006, 2007, 2011, of course. Uh, and then they beat with the Nets. It's been like four, I think, right? I think it was like the one yeah. in the mid, the baby Bulls made one second round, I think. D Rose MVP year, the Nets that beat, they beat the Nets the first round, and then the last Tibbs year. And I believe that is it. And of course, they have won one playoff game in since what? Since the Jimmy trade. And they, and I mean, even look at the White Sox. Rick Hahn, the Rick Hahn era has been a disaster. And like, he's still there. It's just this, it's the same thing with Paxson. Like, at least Paxson had some success early in his, uh, in his tenure with Gar Pax, but like, Rick Hahn has had one playoff team, I think. I think they made like, something like that, and they still here. Now they're like the wor- one of the worst teams in the league, and still here ten years later. Like it's the same as low. Like is it low expectations, low ambition? No, just like not enough urgency for anything. So it is. It's brutal. It's rough. Um, let's move on from Jerry because it's just like sickening to to, to talk about it. Um, yeah, but like. You know, we, me and you sat here and we were like, fire Garpax. If they fire <laughs> Garpax, everything will be better. And I personally feel like a gigantic sucker for that because, of course, Reinsdorf hired someone just as bad as Garpax in Arturis Karnaschovas. And it all comes back to the fact that Jerry just wants to finish in second or third. If he finishes in second or third, Jerry's patting himself on the back. And he said, <laughs> well, we had a chance. Jerry takes no pride in owning a team from Chicago. He takes no pride from the fact that the Bulls are a global brand that built a huge worldwide fan base off the back of Michael Jordan. He takes no pride in the fact that this team should be competing with LA and New York and San Francisco for championships. All he wants to do is run this team like it's Orlando or Indiana or Milwaukee. And it's never going to change, Jason. I mean, Jerry is the problem. And Jerry is a horrible owner. And don't tell me, well, Jerry brought Chicago seven championships. No, Michael Jordan brought Chicago six championships, and Jermaine Dye brought Chicago. (laughs) But like, White Sox caught lightning in a bottle that one year. It was amazing. It was one of my favorite teams ever. Yeah, you won't trade for anything as a Sox fan, for sure. But (laughs) I do wonder if that championship totally screwed the way that Jerry Reinsdorf thinks about building. Have they won a playoff series since then? Uh, no, I don't believe so. Yeah, I mean, ridiculous. That's brutal. That's um, and that's eight almost twenty years ago at this point it, for the Sox. And that was a great regular season team. That team won ninety nine yeah. games yeah. in the regular season. Uh, so I think that 
maybe because of how that team won the championship, sort of getting hot at the right time, that Reinsdorf thinks, well, if we just make it into the playoffs, we'll have a chance. But listen, dude, that's not the case if you're going to be the seventh seed or the eighth seed in the NBA, unless you got Jimmy Butler on the team, who you didn't want to pay a max contract to when he was 27 years old. Or if you have LeBron and AD. (laughs) In this spot. So... Uh, yeah, we can move on, but Reinsdorf yeah. sucks. He's the worst <laughs> ever. He's public enemy number one. He's the reason the Bulls suck. He's the reason the White Sox suck. And it's defeatist, but like this shit is not going to get better until Jerry's gone. And I have no more faith in Michael than Jerry because he's the son of a billionaire. He's never had to work <laughs> for anything his entire life. And he's kind of a clown. So <laughs> it's sad stuff, Jace, but poor ownership is a huge disadvantage and Chicago sports is full of it. Well, even though we're talking about how the Bulls are screwed, let's talk a little bit about their offseason. Again, there's really not any news now for the Bulls, of course, but uh NBA 24/7 news cycle, 365 whatever. People, we got con- there's content to talk about, content to push out and uh as people are doing their Bulls postmortems this season now looking ahead to the offseason, at a s- several places writing about their future and the free agency and offseason, which, of course, involves spending money, which we just talked a lot about. Uh, And one centering around Nikola Vucevic, our guy who kind of set off this whole thing for this new Bulls era as the first big acquisition of this Bulls era. And obviously that has kind of backfired. Uh, Will Gottlieb, our guy at CHGO, wrote something about Vucevic's free agency. And just today, at Bloggable, our guy Matt, your friendly Bulls blogger, wrote something about Vucevic. Um, and his free agency. We've obviously talked a bit about Vooch's free agency and how, uh, whatever he's hit. I mean, they both not, they did not really explore extension talks. According to AK during the season, they did not really look to trade him from what we can tell. And now he's a free agent. He can walk, but from what AK has said, it sure seems like he probably wants him back and that they're going to try to resign him. Uh, Matt in his long column today basically says they shouldn't resign him at all. Uh, like almost any price will talked about how something like three years, 18 or so million per year would be fine for the Bulls. That's three years, 54 million at 18 million a year. He's making around like, I think, tw- I think he made like 20 million this year or 22 million, something like that. He was on a declining contract and I've kind of gone back and forth on Vooch. Uh, like he had a fine season, uh, like individually, he's f- he was fine. Uh, but like at the end in the, the play in games, he was like basically a non-factor. He did nothing against the heat. He had like 12 and nine. It was just like, just there uh and i think that's just like the problem with vooch is he just has, he puts up like nice numbers but he's just kind of just kind of there it's you just never really feel like he's really like making a huge impact like sometimes he can dominate inside but uh again he doesn't like he doesn't get to he doesn't have like huge scoring games that often he doesn't like he, he's a good rebounder but he doesn't like dominate the offensive glass like we've and like watching these playoffs also like kind of has had some impact on me like we're watching guys like we're watching Kevin Looney, Kevon Looney dominate games. What is he making this year? Like barely anything. It just feels that at the center position, you either need to be like a total superstar like Anthony Davis or Embiid or Jokic, uh, or like, or you can just find these other guys making mid-level money, even less than that, who can who can do all this dirty work, and that's like super important. I mentioned Kevon Looney with these 20 rebound games who just punked Sabonis. I mean, Sabonis is Sabonis got MVP votes this year. We had a great regular season and he was rendered like totally useless by the Warriors in the playoffs for the most of that series. And he got absolutely fucking 
punked by Kevon Looney in game seven. It was embarrassing. It was brutal. And like Sabonis is better than Vooch is. Uh, and again, you see like guys, Isaiah Hardenstein helped win the Knicks a game last night. Who We both like were talking about last offseason wanting to sign him. And he's on like an eight million year contract. Like you've seen just like you with these centers, it's like, do you really want to be paying a center 20, 18 to 20 million? Who's like just okay. Who's, who's like pretty good, but like not that great. Just not a real difference maker. So it's when it comes back to Vooch, I'm like, I would be fine bringing him back. Like at mid-level money. If we start talking about getting up to whatever, 20 million years. And if we start talking about three or four years, it's just like, why Matt's ultimate conclusion was that like, you're just like committing to the mid if you're committing that kind of money to Vucevic, because he's you know, he's just a fine player. His stats look pretty good. He's like one of the better centers, but like in terms of production, but like in terms of impact, it's just not really there. So uh, they probably should have looked to trade him at the de- ahead of the deadline. But again, they continuity. They wanted to make a run with this team. And of course, they didn't do it. Now he can leave. I don't even know if he wants to be here anymore. Like he might want to go sign with contender or if. Uh, I don't know if any like lesser team with cap space is going to go throw him a ton of money. Like maybe the Bulls get lucky and just no one wants him and they can bring him back for something super cheap. But uh, so we've talked about this before, but where are you at right now? Again, watching some of these playoffs are having any impact on your Vooch thoughts. Like uh, where are you with Vooch and the Bulls bringing him back? I think Vooch is pretty good. I think there's no way you could blame this season on Vooch. Right. Last yeah. year, like when the team really underperformed at the end of the year, it was easy to make Vooch the scapegoat. But I thought Vooch has a solid year. The issue is that Vooch is about to turn 33. <laughs> yeah. And I do not really trust him to replicate the year he just had in a contract season. And I'm not saying that Vooch like played better because he was playing for money, but the power of the contract season <laughs> is very powerful throughout NBA history. And when you look at Vooch's stat page, you see some red flags where it's like, oh, is he really going to do this again? Like, for example, Jason, between three feet and 10 feet from the basket, Vooch takes 25% of his shots uh, the last couple of years, between three feet and 10 feet from the basket. Two years ago, he made 49%. This past year, he made 60%. So a 10 percentage point jump. Why did his or 11% points? Why did he shoot so much better? I don't know, but I don't really trust him to do it again because he shot 60% there and he had never shot above 53% in that zone his entire career. He had been in the high 40s his entire career between three feet and 10 feet. And last year he shoots 60%. Okay, then you could look at long twos, which is 16 feet to the three-point line. Uh, in 21-22, 39% from that range. This past year, 45.6%. And then he improved his three-point stroke, too, from uh, 31% to 35%. So Vooch was pretty hot shooting the ball. And even with him being so hot shooting the ball, like it wasn't moving the needle much for the Bulls because yep. they had the 24th best offense in the <laughs> NBA. And these percentages are good. And the Bulls shot a good percentage the whole year. They were fourth in the league in field goal percentage, but they were 24th in offensive efficiency. So I think that the Bulls are going to blow it with Vooch. I have no faith in them to like get a deal that makes sense for the team. 
And I'm already pretty mad about it because they're going to look around and say, oh, not a lot of other good options at center in the free agent market. They're going right. to look around and think, well, we gave up so much to get food. Right. We at least got to see this thing through. Yep. And I hope the Bulls don't bid against themselves because I doubt there's going to be a huge market for Vucha services. And I hope they treat it the way they're going to treat Kobe and restricted free agency, which is unfortunate for Kobe. But I think, you know, similar to how they treated Markinen back in the day, yeah. they're going to say, well, go find a deal. Yep. And then we'll match it because we have the ability to match it. Vooch, of course, is an unrestricted free agent, so they don't technically have the ability to match it. And I'm very worried that Vooch is going to play him for a fool because he he is a pretty good player. I, I like Vooch. He's not the reason that the team is mid, really, I don't think. And I I have a higher opinion of him than Matt does. Seems like yeah. Matt just wants to do him for sure. Move on from him for sure. I'd love him back on a two-year deal. Can you give him two years, twenty million? Yeah, that's, that's fine. Tradable contract, totally fine value for me. Twenty million annually, I should say, forty million oh, total. That'd be a bit much for me, but two at least two years. Like I said, I'm that's I've mentioned this before. I'm just like really worried about the Bulls like doubling down like on long term with like Vooch and Demar. Like just nothing longer than again yeah, like a couple of years. Like you start talking three years. I mean, I guess even if you have like whatever team options or like non-guaranteed money, it's just like, mm, no thanks. <laughs> We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, man, I uh, I'm fine with Vooch coming back, I guess, as long as it's a short deal on a tradable contract. If it was something like, you know, 15 million a year, 20 million a year, I think that you could really use that to try to go get someone else at some point. Those are sort of the contracts you want to build a trade package, especially short term ones. Uh, But I don't trust the Bulls to be able to pull off the delicate balance of retaining Vooch without totally overpaying him. So I'd be fine with them moving on. I think Nas Reed would be a great option as someone who you could potentially look for as a younger player. Nas Reed, of course, was the third string center, basically, for the Timberwolves this year. 
very good offensive player, takes a lot of threes, which would help the Bulls. He's a volume three-point shooter to an extent. Uh, not a good defensive player. Vooch is a better defender than Reed. But, you know, Vooch, uh, he worked on it to become better defensively. And I also worry about Vooch's defense moving forward because he's just getting older. Yeah. Yeah, he can get slower. Yeah, his he can be, a, you know, a step late on his rotations moving forward. And Vooch was the centerpiece of the number five defense in the league this year. You have to give him credit for that. And I think, you know, Vooch's defense may be still a little underrated. But is it going to continue to be underrated? Is he going to continue to defend well in his age 33 season, 34? If they give him a three-year deal, 35, that scares me, man. So uh, I just hope that the Bulls realize that the Levine, DeRozan, Vucevic trio is not good enough. It's not been good enough even when Lonzo was on the floor. If the Bulls bring all three of those guys back, I'm going to consider it a failure of an offseason unless they surround them with knockdown shooters. And I just don't see how they're going to be able to do that given their limited draft flex or cap flexibility and lack of draft picks. So, yeah, the Bulls need volume shooters around these three guys. If it even has a prayer to work. Yeah. Uh, and to me, I would just break it up. I mean, I, I don't think that they're going to really get anywhere with this core and if they were to get anywhere it would be you know an upset first round victory and then get smoked by one of the good teams in the second round and that's the best case scenario so for that to be your best case scenario should probably tell you it's time to try something different yeah and again it's just the the age factor the contract situations of these like it offers you a chance to kind of go off on an off ramp here and make the changes again they probably should have looked to trade vooch before Maybe they did. We don't know. And they just, there was nothing out there. But uh, you mentioned someone like Nasri. I mean, he's 23. That just gives you a little more upside, some more youth moving forward. Because, yeah, again, DeMar and Vooch are getting into their mid-30s. The core already isn't good enough. So, like, to expect it to get better, that much better as those guys get into their mid-30s. Like, we're not talking about LeBron here and, like, year 20 LeBron. And even he's slowing down now. But And, like, Jimmy's around that age, too. But those guys are just better. <laughs> They're much better players. Uh than what the Bulls have. So, yeah, we'll see. Again, we'll be plenty of time to go over free and seven moving forward. But as we wrap up here, let's kind of do a little roundup with the, these playoffs um, and what's been going on. As you, you kind of brought up before, you mentioned Heat Knicks, 1 1 series. It, w- it would have been an absolute disgrace if the Knicks lost last night without Jimmy and without Tyler Hero. And obviously, all the depots out too. Like they got Jalen Brun, they got Julius Randle back, they had Brunson playing. And they were down a lot of that game. The Heat were up six in the in the in the fourth quarter, and the, the Knicks finally went on a little run. Josh Hart had some threes. Brunson had some big shots. I mentioned Hardenstein, uh, some big offensive rebounds. They had like a possession that lasted over a minute that I think resulted in a three pointer that was huge. Um, but what like this series? So like I don't understand this Heat team at all. They were so bad in the season. I know Jimmy fucking rules, but like. Look, if Jimmy comes back in game three, going to Miami with the series tied 1-1, like, hey, you feel like you have to think the Heat are in good position to win this series? Like, this this stupid Heat team going to reach the Eastern Conference Finals? It feels absurd. Why not the Finals? You know, and I think <laughs> it mostly comes back to Spolstra. Eric Spolstra is yeah. the best coach in the NBA. He is unbelievable at 
getting into a playoff series and just figuring out the next move on the chessboard before the opposing coach can. And Thibodeau coached circles around J.B. Bickerstaff when the Knicks beat the Cavs in that first round series. And even though this series is 1-1, it just feels like Tibbs cannot match wits with Spo. Like, Spo is such a brilliant tactician, and man, he's got nothing on this roster. Like, this roster is very, very bad. I think there was a stat yesterday that, like, they had 75 points scored by undrafted, undrafted players. Playoff record. I think it was 74, but yeah, it was around there. It was a playoff record. That's crazy. That's like Caleb Martin, Struess, I think Duncan Robinson. Uh, Highsmith. Yeah, like ridiculous. Like, who the hell are these guys uh, just making a rain? And it's insane. Yeah. It's crazy. And with old man Lowry, who's turned yeah. back the clock a little bit, but Lowry's a shell of him, his former self when he was in his prime. Uh, just, you know, having Gabe Vincent carry the offensive Oh, load. he's the under undrafted guy. Gabe Vincent, right. Out of UC Santa Barbara. Uh, just ridiculous, man. I mean, and I really defense. Yeah, it's just Spo that's powering this with Jimmy being Which, a legitimately yeah. amazing superstar. Uh, apparently, Jimmy's ankle is the size of a baseball after he rolled it in game one. So I'm not like totally sure Jimmy's going to come back and be Jimmy yeah. for the rest of the series because an ankle injury is really bad, even if you've only played pickup. Uh, but God, it just feels like the Knicks. The Knicks, to me, don't have the shooters to win this series. Now, they did take 43s and hit 40% of them last game, but I just don't trust them to do that consistently. And I still think the Heat are in control of this series, but, you know, Jimmy's injury can change everything yeah. because the Heat are just legitimately running out of bodies. Yeah. And they just, yeah, they just weren't a good team. Like, obviously, in the playoffs, Spose coaching, huge can really help erase some of those issues. But yeah, I just don't know if they have the bodies even. But again, going home one, they got one one, and they almost won game two. So like they go and win both these games in Miami, and they're up three one. Like that's basically it. But we're not surprised if that series comes back two two. The other Eastern Conference series, we got game two tonight after the Sixers with an absolutely miraculous game one victory with James Harden. I did not think James Harden had that kind of forty five point game in him uh, again. But 45 points, the game-winning three-pointer over Al Horford, absolutely incredible game for him. And he didn't even do it at the free-throw line. We know Harden gets a lot of his points by grifting, but I think he took four free-throws. Like, he was in threes, he was scoring mid-range. Like, this was, like, the full James Harden bag, which, again, I did not think was there without Joel Embiid. Now Embiid is coming back tonight. Again, once this podcast, we're talking right now before the game, the game will be over. But um, the fact that the Sixers steal a game in Boston without Embiid, uh, is absolutely crazy. I still do think the six or the Celtics are probably going to win this series. Um, I'm not going to say easily, but uh, they have been just kind of fucking around. They kind of fucked around with the Hawks. They blow this game one. They've had some bad blown leads, but I feel like the Celtics should be the finals favorite, especially with the Bucks out now and the Suns look cooked. And we'll talk about that in a second here. But do you think, do you think the Sixers have a legit chance here after stealing game one without Embiid? Oh yeah. Definitely. I think these two teams are pretty evenly matched for the most part. The Celtics are so unconvincing as a title favorite. They just play with their food too much. Yeah. They get un- and they've, they admit it. Like the Her- Horford admitted it. Brogdon admitted it today. They're just like, oh, we we get like we take our foot off the gas pedal. We play with our food. We don't bring the urgency. And it's just like so troubling to hear in the playoffs. Like I made fun of Zach Levine for saying that and like that Hawks when they lost that Hawks game in the regular season. Like this is the playoffs. They're like admitting we didn't take this game seriously enough because Embiid was out. It's like, dude, 
you're in the fucking playoffs. Like you're still playing another superstar player, even if Harden isn't quite what he once was. But yeah, they just some really troubling stuff there from Boston, even though I keep thinking that they should be the clear favorite now. And just like they come out and lay that. I don't it's, it's not great, not great. But I really think Boston could use a great passer. Just a great point guard. Instead, that burden falls on Tatum and on Brown. And Tatum's awesome, obviously, but I think passing might still sort of be his weak area. He's grown a bit, for sure, there. Uh, But it just feels like their offensive possessions get a little bit too bogged down. They're a little too reliant on threes, it feels like. They definitely need more Robert Williams in this series. He did nothing in game one. He only played 20 minutes. And B-Ball Paul, the pride of DePaul. <laughs> DePaul is thriving in the NBA playoffs. With Max Paul Strews and B-Ball Paul yeah. falling out. Uh, I mean, Paul Reed, four for four down the stretch of that game from the free throw line. Obviously, there's another game tonight. So by the time people listen yeah. to this podcast, they're going to know what happened in game two. But I think Philly's got a chance to win the series for sure. Absolutely. I don't know if I'm going to predict them to win yet. But to me... I would be 0% surprised if Philly actually won the series because I think that they do have most of the pieces you need for a championship game. I think Embiid's the best player in the series if he's healthy. And I'm just relatively unconvinced in Boston. But man, Brogdon was such a good addition for Boston. Remember when we used to talk about Brogdon? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Next to Levine. Yeah. And now he's off the base. Sixth man of the year. Sixth man of the year. Although... That pass he made at the end of the game, I mean, a huge brain fart. Everyone, like Brogdon is known for being one of the smartest players in the league. Again, sixth man of the year. And that turnover, which was like the timing was brutal because it looked like it was going to be a, a 24-second violation. But to basically just hand the ball to Maxi for a layup down the stretch. I mean, just a total brain fart and uh, brutal stuff. But yeah, I mean, he's generally so steady, so good. They, they gave up like nothing to get him. Uh, brutal. But yeah, we'll see about that one. Moving over to the West real quick. Nuggets, Suns, toast, done, CP3, hurt. Like, this feels like a gentleman's sweep. Do you agree? Or do you think the Suns still have a chance just because KD and Booker are so good? Yeah, I think gentleman's sweep probably. I think the Nuggets look like the title favorites right now. And But, man, it's not going to be easy, regardless of who they play in the next round. And so so the next round, Lakers-Warriors, obviously an epic game one. Uh, in Golden uh, at the Chase Center at Golden State, the Lakers steal that game. A steal might not be the right word because the Lakers kind of once the war the Warriors got off to a hot start. Lakers re- reeled them in once they actually started using Anthony Davis after their slow start. A complete just dominating performance from AD with thirty and twenty three and forty four minutes. He played the entire second half, five assists, four blocks, just completely shut off the paint for the Warriors. Who they made twenty one threes. It took fifty. And they shot like 40% on two-pointers because they just wanted no part of Anthony Davis. They smoked multiple layups. Again, he had multiple blocks. Steph's, Steph's little floater had no, was getting blocked by Davis or altered by Davis. Uh, a very just interesting contrast of styles in this series with the Warriors chucking threes. The Lakers have a huge free throw uh, advantage, huge advantage in the paint. And when Davis is playing like this, like we, like we people have obviously mocked the Lakers like all season. They've been better since the deadline. When they got Davis playing like this, like you can see their title path, like as crappy as they looked for so much of the year. I worry about LeBron's foot. LeBron does not is and just his age and that foot injury. He's clearly slowing down a bit, at least offensively. He he can't shoot a jumper right now. 
Uh, he has been playing a little better defensively. He had some pretty sick defensive plays yesterday and in these playoffs. So like, but when AD's playing like this, like the Lakers are so much nastier and they're deeper now with the t- trades they made. I'm not saying the series is over. Obviously, the Warriors, they came back. The Warriors went on a 14-0 run and almost stole the game after going down 14 in the fourth quarter. But um, D-Low with the game the game winner and then obviously the Jordan Poole shot. Did you like, did you like the Jordan Poole shot? I didn't like it. Of course not. Who would like it? But I didn't <laughs> think it was a terrible shot. Like, I don't know. We just saw Grayson Allen not even get off a look. So he <laughs> yeah. got off a decent look. It was pretty far back. It would have been nice if you could have taken a step or two closer to the brim. Uh, But Poole can make that shot. So I didn't hate it. Obviously, though, there was 10 seconds left. You want Steph to get a crack at it. But, man, LA's defense on Curry is so impressive. Yeah. Top locking all the Golden State actions, funneling everything towards AD at the rim. And the Warriors were able to beat DeMontis Sabonis at the rim in the first round. And AD is a totally different animal. Yeah. Uh, this looks like a bubble AD. Maybe not quite offensively yet, but definitely defensively. And when he's playing like this, he's one of the best players in the world. So, yeah, I think that that series is still a toss-up. Uh, but it's just going to be so fun because how can you possibly pick a side? In Warriors Lakers, you just kick your feet up and enjoy the drama, <laughs> enjoy the dumb fun that is those two fan bases and those two franchises going at each other. Uh, so it's just great theater. I'm, yeah. I'm, I feel like we got lucky to get this series, even though I'm sure people are rolling their eyes at that. <laughs> I was rooting for the Kings. Don't get me wrong. I wanted the Kings to win hardcore, but like, all right, if the Kings were going to lose, at least we got Lakers Warriors. Yeah, I mean, we, they lost to a. I know they kind of they did go out kind of sad in that game seven, but they did also lose to a Steph historic fifty burger, uh, which was awesome to see. And yeah, now we got Lakers Warriors. I do hope the series goes seven. Uh, would love to see seven games of this and see a game seven at the Chase Center. Uh, obviously, we'll see what the Warriors. The Warriors they got to win game two. I mean, if they go down two, I would, they they did go down two zero against the Kings, but. Uh, the Lakers are better than the Kings at this point, probably, especially with AD going like this, even with LeBron looking a little slowed. I don't think they'd be able to come down from 2-0 again. Uh, and th- this time they'd be going on the road down 2-0 instead of coming home down 2-0. Like, it's a whole different animal. So, got to win game two. And we'll see what kind of juice AD has after playing 44 minutes. We'll see what kind of adjustments they make. Uh, it's a, it's so fascinating because uh, and like I know uh, in The Athletic there was an article about the stay and just People like like the Warriors, they always, whatever, their big advantage always was going small with Draymond at the five. But Kevon Looney's been so important to them with his offensive rebounding. Like, are they going to go away from him? Uh, because playing Draymond and Looney together is, is not great when you have AD in the middle of the paint. Like, you, he just can kind of park his ass there and just block everything uh, if you have those two guys in there. So it's so fascinating that this Looney's been so good. Draymond was awful in game one and he had, was in a lot of foul trouble. If you're going to go away from Looney and pl- try to go smaller and try to draw AD out of the paint, uh, but taking Looney off the court would be interesting. It just, it's a very fascinating series again with the, the, the different matchups and how just how different these teams are, uh, but, but with all the star power as well, of course. So hopefully, like I said, hopefully the Warriors win game two. I hope this series goes seven uh, and then we just get a lot of, again, the, the as you mentioned, the theater and the drama out of it all. But who's your title pick right now, Jace? Man, I, God, like I said, I keep thinking it's Boston, but like and it was, the Nuggets thing is. Like Jokic is, looks awesome. Murray had a bad game last game, but I mean they they looked like pretty good and well rounded. Um, 
So, like, I would think I'm cut. I kind of still lean Boston. And then in, like, the West, like, I, again, I can easily see. I think the Suns are cooked. So, I'm putting the Nuggets next round. So, either Nuggets, Lakers, or Warriors. And then from there, I think it's honestly a toss-up. Like, I could absolutely see any of those teams making it out. So, like, it's it legit feels wide open. Like, and it, it's, it's, it makes it a bit more fun when you have no one really standing out. And, like, all these, like, four or five teams. I think I said this to someone else yesterday that... I think the only teams that really just don't have like a chance to win it all right now are probably Phoenix just because of the Paul injury and they're down 2-0. Probably. I, I just don't really think Miami has a chance to win it all, but like, especially just, I think they're just, they're just too injured to do it. Uh, and then like the Knicks, I think they're just not good enough. So like, but I think like the other five teams, like if, I guess I would be kind of surprised by the Sixers, but still, but I could at least definitely see them winning. So that's like five teams where right now you could be like, Okay, yeah, I could possibly see it happening, and that usually just like doesn't really happen. It's usually like it's gonna be one of these two teams. So it's like, it's honestly, I feel like it's kind of a toss up. I'm taking the cowardly out again as I always do, but who would you pick right now? <laughs> Nuggets, Nuggets to win the title. They're like the best team. Right now. I mean, this is like yeah, for, like you want to say Nuggets, like Yoga. This is his t- opportunity. Like it is clearing the path for him right now to finally win that title and get that off his back. Uh, because again, the Suns they're cooked now with CP3 out. Like the Warriors and Lakers, they're gonna possibly beat each other up for this whole for a long series, exhausting series. And like again, LeBron is hurting AD if he's just after like a huge minute series against the Warriors. Like, are they gonna have enough? And the same thing with the Warriors too. The Warriors are a bit older. Uh, a seven game series against Sacramento. If they do another long series against the Lakers, even if they get through, how much in the tank do they have left? Yeah, and then in the East, like. Embiid is going to be hurting, even if he's back. Like we'll see if he makes it through. If the Cel- if it's the Celtics, like they play with their food, the Nuggets could probably beat them. Uh, so yeah, like this is it's the it's Jokic's time. He's got to he's got to make this happen. He's been great so far, so we'll see. Like I said, I still don't know if I necessarily totally trust them to win it, but they certainly could. I would not be surprised if they did. So I think that's going to do it for us here. Are we good here? All yeah. right, that's going to do it for us here on this episode of Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. As always, shout out to the Blue Wire Network. Tons of great pods all across the network. Great NBA playoff coverage. We also obviously just had the NFL draft as well. Uh, great NFL coverage at Blue Wire and all these other all the other podcasts all across the Blue Wire Network. Uh, for us here at Cash, please rate and review us. Give us those five-star ratings. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, all those good places. You can follow me on Twitter at Bulls underscore J. Follow Ricky at SB underscore Ricky. So we'll probably be back sometime next week. Uh, and then we got the draft lottery coming up in a couple weeks, of course, uh, with one of the few maybe avenues that could save the Bulls is the draft lottery. So again, that's in just under two weeks. Um, so yeah, we'll probably be back next week to talk about something. We'll see. Maybe we'll get a guest on, talk about whatever playoffs, bull stuff, if there's anything that happens. But that's it for, for us on this episode of Cash Considerations considerations a chicago bulls podcast i can't speak it's my birthday tomorrow i'm gonna wish myself a happy birthday take it easy happy birthday jason thank you ricky take it easy we'll talk to you guys next time the headlines remind us daily the world is a dangerous place The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. 
My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.